Always want to welcome everybody who joins us here in the well on Sunday morning. All of you live streamers, people that may watch this later, uh, welcome. We love you being consumers of God's word here with our ministries. Um, before we get too much farther, we have a tremendous children's ministry at this church. Right, right. This ministry is led by an army of volunteers, all vetted, all Dodger fans vetted in that. I tell you, in morning, right? Well, we, the ups and downs of spiritual, uh, right? Any rate, your children are being taught the word of God at all levels by these volunteers of godly people. And we want to uh, always appreciate that. And in light of that, what time is it, folks? Kingdom, kids. You're all, turn them loose to those Dodger fans. Let them learn the word of God. Yes, our Dodgers this year will only get that ring that says 2023, we were better than the Giants. A uh, little bit lesser deal there for sure. Uh, I want to uh, take an opportunity to express the importance of signing up for the men's gathering for here on Thursday night, October 26th, uh, 6 o'clock to 7.30. We're going to hear two men of God give their testimony from our body. We don't know what the Holy Spirit's going to do here on that Thursday night. We're going to worship. It's going to be a great time. But what I do want to know is who's coming so we know how much food to prepare. So we don't know what he's doing, but we'd love to know what you're doing. <laughs> Absolutely. I just... It's going to be such a special night as we kick off this, uh, this format. But our brothers Bill and Tim are ready to open their hearts and share how God has affected their life and their walk with the Lord through what others would see as a travesty and a tragedy. I want to pray about that. Father, we thank you so much for your presence because you're present in both Tim and Bill and you're going to be present with so many men that will be here to hear your message from them about how this travesty that was allowed in their lives, how you're glorified to this day and beyond. Father, we just we don't know what you're going to do, but we are excited to be here to witness what you're going to do. I want to thank everyone who's here in the well today to hear your word. Again, those that are streaming online and beyond. Father, we thank you for your presence, we thank you for your truth, and we thank you for the effect that you have in every life that has an abiding relationship with you. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Thank you, Randy. A couple other announcements. Uh, the youth ministry. Uh, Jordan shared that uh, they're in the middle of a food drive, and you know, one of the things that we like to do around here is not just be blessed when we gather in various ministries and Bible studies. Um, but we also like, especially with the youth, to give them opportunities to serve the community. You know, it's not just about us. It's about being salt and light in the community. And sometimes that's just very practical, very practical ways meeting real needs. And so they are spearheading a food drive, and we invite all of you to participate. And it's not just 
you know, participation for the sake of blessing others. But when we participate, it also helps the youth be encouraged. That the church as a whole is behind this, and they're just kind of the tip of the spear, and they get to go out and, and bless others. So there's a list of items that you can contribute, and really, again, uh, it's to bless the community, but also, quite honestly, it's to bless our youth and give them the joy of giving and to give them the joy of serving and making a difference in the community. Okay? Good morning. I'm here to talk about our women's worship evening, which is going to be this Saturday, uh, October 21st at 7 p.m. It should be about an hour, an hour and a half long, and it's going to be led by Gloria and Shiloh. You'll see them up here leading worship sometimes. And a couple women are going to share just a little part of their story and how God has been faithful in their life. It's going to be a really encouraging evening. And I would ask you to invite your friends, maybe someone who really needs to hear encouragement from the Word of God and from worship. It's going to be really a blessed evening. Every time I walk through these doors, I, even if I drive by the well, I just feel very blessed. And so this is going to be a very blessed evening, and I invite all women to come at 7 o'clock. It's going to be in the commons, and I'll see you Saturday. Thank you. How many of you enjoyed the taco feast last Sunday? Yeah, it was really good. Um, Thank you to Dennis and Tyler who prepared the food and all the volunteers who helped set up and tear down. Um, It was very successful through God's provision and your generosity. Uh, We raised around $7,200 toward the $30,000 needed for the two homes in Mexico in two weeks, they leave. Um, so um, that was a huge success, and we just want to thank you for that. We have reached $29,000, so we trust that the Lord's going to provide the last 1000 We're very thankful for everything that he has provided thus far. Um, between the three churches, the Orchard and the First Baptist Church and this church, um, he's just provided a lot. So thank you for that. Please continue to be praying for the team that's going, for the families that will be receiving homes. And then we have these new little cards. They're out on the welcome table under the rock. Um, And the request is that you would choose a verse to share uh, with the families that are down there. And if you could look up a translation in Spanish on your phone or uh, be able to to put it into Spanish so they can read it, and then you would sign your name at the bottom. Just a note of encouragement and a a verse of scripture to let them know that there's a whole body here that is loving them and supporting them. Um, Once they collect them all, they're going to go in the, what's that called, that box? The card box? I don't know, (laughs) the giving box. (laughs) You can just stick them in there. Uh, they're going to collect them, and once they've collected all the notes, they're going to put them in like a photo album to present to the family. So please feel free to do that. They're out on the welcome cart, and um, any encouragement you can give would be greatly appreciated. So thank you. All right. We are also still taking donations, right? The, uh, there's a trunk in the commons, and if you would like to uh, bless the kids in Mexico... There's a list. Is there also a list, Betty, of uh, items right there? Um, So if you'd like to do that, 
Uh, it's always a blessing. It's also special for the team when they make the bags here and then they distribute them. It's such a joy. And it's just a reminder how blessed we are in this country. And so if you would like to uh, donate materially, you can do that over the next couple weeks and bring it to the trunk in the commons and it'll all head to Ensenada. How many of you needed that time of worship with all that's going on, right? And, you know, we, we often use the word church family around here, and we really do hope and praise God that when you come here that it does feel like you're in the Father's home. That's your home, and, you know, that's one of the blessings we have of gathering and choosing to gather each Sunday or Wednesday, even if it's online. Uh, you're with family, the people that genuinely love you and care for you, and then God has blessed us with this facility, and it really um, feels like home. You know, there's a beauty here with all the, uh, the things swirling in the country and around the world. Uh, what an incredible joy and privilege uh, to have um, a place like this where we can just be reminded that God is still on the throne. Amen? God is still on the throne. God is still good. Not only does he have everything on this planet under his sovereign control, he has everything in your life under his sovereign control. And, uh, you know, sometimes that's the beauty of gathering. You know, not that you can't have a quiet time at home or, or enjoy that with other believers, uh, but there's something about the corporate gathering of the church. I believe that, that God blesses. That's why he calls us to gather, because there's something, I believe, that happens when we gather, even on worship nights or a men's event. Um, and so... Uh, we're blessed to be here today in light of everything going on around the globe, you know, God's timing where we're focusing on this word fellowship, fellowship. And sometimes uh, when our world gets turned upside down, uh, literally or figuratively, uh, people kind of goes into a different mode. And sometimes they go into fear mode and anxiety mode and worry mode. And in that mode, what you can tend to do is actually withdraw and isolate yourself and kind of circle your wagons, uh, and that's actually the opposite of what God calls us to do. That's why he calls us and places us in fellowship. Last Sunday, we looked at this verse in Acts 2. It says, they devoted themselves, talking about the early church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. There was a devotion. There was an intentionality. There was a proactivity to fellowship. And if we don't understand what that word is, you know, it's one of those churchy words we talked about last Sunday that if you equate it with social events, primarily potlucks, you know, things of that nature, then you can sort of make fellowship optional, voluntary. It can actually slide down the priority list in your life. And sometimes if we label things under the category of fellowship, we go, ah, nah, I don't need to do that. Oh, no, that's not important. And, and when, when we focus on fellowship, we see that it really is foundational to even why we're here today. Right? There's a sign we looked at last Sunday. There's a sign out front. And maybe you guys took a look at it differently, right? The Well, Ojai Valley Christian Fellowship. And we looked at this last Sunday when really what that should say is Ojai Valley Christians in fellowship. 
Because at the moment of salvation with the church, the big church, the church ecclesia around the globe, you are in fellowship. The moment you put your faith in Jesus, you are baptized into fellowship. It's not optional. Positionally, it already happens. You are put into the body of Christ, the church. That sign just sort of designates that here at 1290 Grand, and for us it's Sundays at 10 o'clock, there are Christians in the Ojai Valley, right? And God bless you who, who join us you know, online, streaming all different states and, you know, uh, everyone in the comments from Santa Paula, welcome. You know, technically, we still love Santa Paula and Ventura, right? But that sign says, hey, it's really a declaration sign if you think about it. With all the cars and joggers and bicycles that go by, what, what that sign is declaring, along with the cross in the front, is that, hey, community, this building is where Christians from the Ojai Valley, are in fellowship. We are in fellowship. Sunday mornings, Monday mornings, Tuesday night, men's gatherings, worship nights, youth, are just manifestations of what's already true. We're in fellowship. The programming of church is just simple manifestations of various age groups, various demographics that gather uh, throughout the week. But foundationally, you're already in. And, and I know that's challenging because we talked about it last week. We, we live in a very privatized culture, right? Private property, no trespassing. We're raised with a very privatized view of our money, our resources, our possessions. It's mine. It's private, right? And that sign, you might assume, you know, see it around town or you see chains, right? Private property, no trespassing. And if we're not careful, that bleeds into our view of church. And then we can get a little bit challenged, and you may not even know why. Well, it's because the fellowshipping activities and responsibilities that come with a church, being a member of the church at Salvation, it can kind of encroach upon that sign, Right, So we might have, you may not even realize that inside you have a private faith, no trespassing. Private Christianity, no trespassing church. Right, And you've set the boundary, you've privatized your faith, you've, you've kind of put up the chain link fence, you might live behind a gated spiritual community, you have the big gate, it's private. right? And you determine who gets across the line. Otherwise, no trespassing. No trespassing with my time, no trespassing with my money, no trespassing with the use of my gifts, no trespassing with my schedule. It's a private faith, okay? That's really not biblical. A privatized faith, okay? What we're talking about last Sunday, if you were here, it's very important, is our faith is very personal. How many of you, that last song, Psalm 84, I'm home, how many of you resonated with you personally? That was just like, whoa. Goodness, very personal, right? We're saved by grace. The gospel is personal, but then it's also communal. Okay? So one day, if you're a believer, what happened was God opened your eyes to the very personal nature of the gospel. I need a savior. It's personal. I needed a savior. Jesus died for my sins, rose from the dead. It's a very personal, individual gospel message that I responded to personally and at that same moment 
I was baptized, put into the church, and then it became communal. There's two sides of the same coin. The challenge in the American church, I believe much more than other churches that live very communally, right? Because they just have to live communally, right? We're very comfortable. We have, suburb, we have suburbs and we have houses and we have fences. And, you know, we're very, you go to other countries, they just live communally just to put food on the table. So they get this communal construct, right? For us, we like the personal nature. We love those songs. And we might be wrestling with the communal aspect of it. Oh, really? But that's mine. And that's inconvenient. And uh, I don't know, right? What are you wrestling with? Might be the communal component. The privatized component. You're like, ah, right? I remember, kind of struck me as I was, uh, this Friday night Bible study that Chaz talked about, I talked about once in a while when I was a a seeker and then became a believer on this Friday night. And I'll never forget this. I built a good relationship with the, the guy running it. It was his house. I said, I was talking with him. I said, how, how do you do this? Why do you open your house every Friday? Like for years and years. He goes, literally he said this. It's not our house. It's the Lord's. And I was like, what? Because see, I was still in seeker mode and trying to figure out this Christian worldview of a resource and everything. And because I was raised, you buy a house, it's mine. It's my house. I've worked hard. I've paid good money. I'm paying the mortgage. It's, it's my house. And he literally said it as if it was just like so taken for granted. Like, duh, it's the Lord's house. And I, it stuck with me. 30 years later, that view. And it was so freeing for them. It was so freeing. And they were so blessed by that. It's the Lord's house. And if he wants to use it for a Friday night Bible study and people from around San Diego come from various churches, well, so be it. It's the Lord's house. And I'm like, wow. Wow, okay. And so we're going we're gonna to look at this word fellowship. And, and my prayer today is that God, through his word and the Holy Spirit, will, if you're wrestling with it, if you not even know that you're wrestling with it, it would just become clear through the word of God. Right? Last week I shared this little optical illusion right, about the, the duck and the... And the rabbit, right? The duck and the rabbit. How many see the duck and the rabbit, right? Okay. And you, last week we saw that you have a choice. You can choose where, what to focus on, right? And so that's kind of like fellowship. And what I mean by that is, is it personal, communal, or both? They're both in there. Personal and communion, communal, it's both in there. You have to see them both. The rabbit and the duck are both in there, right? You can just choose what to look at. Well, same with fellowship. Being, it being personal, having a personal faith and being communal, they're both there. They're both there. And so here, if you notice the way a flow goes on, on Sunday, we pray communally, but then there's also personal components to this. Communion. There's a personal and communal. You come forward, you hold the cup, and you're like, Lord, thank you. For what you did for Jesus, I remember you. But then you open your eyes and there's like almost a hundred other people doing it. You're like, oh, but look, there's others. There's the we component and the me component. They're both there. And so today we're going we're gonna to do something. And it's a little bit different because when we um, gather, if you've been with me, 
for any length of time, you know that we go through the Word of God here, whether it's me or anyone else, and usually, 90-plus percent of the time, we, we work our way through Scripture, and, you know, the joke is, you know, how far are we going to get today, Richie? They'll ask me, he's like, I don't know, maybe a word, right? Maybe two words. And so that's expository preaching. You, you work your way through Scripture, and you exposit it. We, we look at what it means, try to get the original language so that we can understand it and apply it. We're going to do something a little bit different today. We're going to take a survey of Scripture and see what Scripture, in a big picture, tells us about fellowship. Okay? We saw that last week that really fellowship means that we have things in common. The early church was sharing things, and they had everything in common, Right? And it made me think of something I've shared with you before. Yes, if you're new, this is one of my favorite illustrations of church. This is the church right here. It's personal and communal, right? So each of these represents believers. Find yourself in there. See a little light right there, right? And so what happens on Sundays is we do this. Boop. This is Sunday service. And then what happens? We say, okay, ready, break, amen, and then you go about your life. Right? Isn't that awesome? Right? So there's personal, and then Sundays or Wednesdays or, you know, whatever. We get, we were communal, right? And I always get bummed when I do this because I lose one of you. Like every, I don't know. I don't know what happens. I don't Sorry, Randy. The tribe voted you out. So, um. So it's communal, and then we spread out, and we live our lives, and we have responsibilities and all that, right? And so today what I want to do is I want to help us all to understand this in a survey kind of vibe from the Word of God. Uh, The title of the sermon is, We Are Commoners in Christ. We're all commoners, right? Commoners. Fellowship means we share things in common. And so what we're going to do today is we are going to look at some common R's of fellowship, okay? First R is relationships. What do we share in common relationally, right? Well, the word pictures we saw last Sunday, the church, ecclesia, the called out ones, they're called the body of Christ, the flock of God, the household of God, the people of God. That's you, These are word pictures of the church designed to give us a literal picture that it's not just me and my privatized faith. You're put into the body of Christ. You're a part of the flock of God. You are part of the household of God. You are part of the people of God. Because sometimes even when we go to church, I remember this in San Diego, go to mega churches and all of this. Sometimes when I was just an attender, it's very strange. I would go to church. I would find my seat with the view that I liked. And I could be in a, in, a, in a church setting with 500 to 1,000 people and not even be connected and realize how, what something bigger. I was part of something way bigger than me. I was going to a mega church with my privatized faith to get my church experience, and then I would leave, and I would want nothing to do with the other commoners because I didn't see myself as a commoner. Is that crazy? Right? How strange is that? And so part of this is to challenge us at a deep level that somehow before you leave here, you're going to see everyone around here 
He's just like you. We're all commoners, and we got a whole bunch of common R's in faith. Galatians 3, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male or female, for you are all what? One in Christ Jesus. We're all one. We just are. Now, this world wants to divide us. Racially, religiously, economically, socially, right? The world wants to divide, divide and conquer. Glorious news, we're in fellowship and we're just all one. We're all commoners in Christ, right? So we have relationships. Another common R, realities. These are what I call kind of the challenges of life that we share. Common R, realities. How about temptation? First Corinthians, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure. How many of you have ever been tempted? Now, if you didn't put your hand up, you were just tempted to lie. How many of you have ever been tempted? Why are you so embarrassed? It's common to man. You ain't, come on. I know you and you both. Oof. Just, just kidding. How many of us have experienced temptation, which is common to man? Come on, it's freeing if you put your hand up. Come on. We're commoners in Christ. We share temptation. You might as well just say it. It's freeing. It's humbling. It's actually a great admission because then you might receive need, help. You might admit that need and finally say, okay, yeah, I'm tempted just like everyone else. All right, everyone just say, just like everyone else. Just like everyone else, right? Another common reality enemy. We have a common enemy. Ephesians 6, finally be strong in the Lord in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. 1 Peter 5, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your, our adversary, the devil, Prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. We have common temptation, but church, we have a common enemy. There are demons. We just read about it. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil. There is a devil. There are demons. There are two kingdoms. And if you are in the kingdom of God through faith in Jesus, the other kingdom hates you. Hates you with a passion. In fact, 1 Peter 5, 8, 9 says, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Devour. 
This is not a game of church. We have a lot of fun. We joke around. But that word devour means to swallow up completely, overcome, destroy. He's not a lion who's just pawing and playing. It is a lion that wants to chew you up, swallow you, and destroy everything about you. Your marriage, your walk, your kids. We share a common enemy. And that enemy wants to devour, destroy every single believer in this room and watching. We've seen a lot of pictures this last week of destruction. That's our spiritual reality of what the enemy wants to do to you. This spiritual warfare, part of, I believe, the the enemy's strategy in spiritual warfare is to minimize his activity. So we think, oh, the devil's messing with me. The devil's annoying me. The devil's irritating me. No, the devil wants to destroy you. Absolutely destroy you. Hates your guts. Would like nothing more to see your testimony go in the toilet and will laugh in your face and mock Jesus when you fall. There is a degree of hatred that the enemy has towards the kingdom of God and the church that the church in America, we just somehow have lost sight of. You go to other third world countries where the spiritual world is more apparent. It's a whole different vibe. I've been on a mission trip in the Philippines. We were going up to the mountains and they warned us. They said, when we go up to this mountains, the occult is really thick up there. People weigh into stuff up there. And I remember at night hearing these animals and all kinds of crazy sounds all night. And I'm like, this is real up here. This is not church, right? And so we're in fellowship. We share common temptations, but church, we share a common enemy. Now, the, the, the incredible things in 30 years of ministry, I've also seen an incredible strategy of the enemy. You know what he wants to do? Turn us against one another. The devil wants nothing more than friendly fire in the church. Because if he gets us fighting against each other, he just sits back and laughs. Watch this. This is going to step on a few toes. Watch this. This is going to rankle some feathers. And he just sits back and the devil mocks us because we get all caught up in our flesh and all caught up in getting our toes stepped on and he doesn't have to do a thing. We become ineffective because we're just upset about the color of the carpet or that someone ate my glass-glazed donut, or whatever it is. It's so easy. Like, I think they laugh because of how easy it is for us to turn on one another. So simple. And it's just part of a grand scheme. The devil wants to devour you, wants to devour your kids. It's not a game. It's not a game by any stretch of the imagination. And in 30 years of ministry, especially when I was working with the youth and dealing with heavy-duty counseling issues, I have seen the work of the enemy destroy families. Just absolutely devastate. And so we share common temptations, the reality of common enemy. We share persecution. It's another common R, right? Common reality. 
Jesus says, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. Common reality is persecution. Again, because of where the kind of where we've been in the United States, we as believers have not experienced real hardcore persecution. We don't know what it's like. Really. I don't think anyone here could be wrong, but I'm going to guess that maybe no one here has ever, your life has been threatened because you believe in Jesus. We read about it. We hear about it. What would happen if coming to church on Sunday might cost you something because there's people filming out front? Would you come? Right? We share common persecution. And yet again, we live in such a culture where the minute there's persecution or pushback, we run. We just don't know how to deal with it. Right? First Peter 4. If you are insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you will be what? For the glorious spirit of God rests upon you. If you suffer, however, it must, must not be for murder, stealing, making trouble, or prying into other people's affairs. But it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. Amen? Okay. So common reality, temptation, and common enemy, persecution. It's common. See, part of the challenge with these realities is we work very hard to eliminate all negativity, all pain, and all suffering in the, Ameri- in the United States. Everything we do is designed for personal peace and affluence. That's why it's hard for us to grasp stories of true persecution simply for believing in Jesus in another country. There's a disconnect that is just so hard to replicate here. Now, maybe it'll come. Maybe it's coming sooner than we think. Right? And finally, common reality, trouble and tribulation. John 16, 33. I had said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. 1 Peter 4. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials that you were going through. As if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad, for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering, so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. It's so freeing to simply, when someone says, hey, how was your week? You say, trials and tribulations, sister. Why is something common to everyone such like this mark, this stigma? Like we've put this trip on people. Oh, Isaac. You had a rough week. Must be in sin. What'd you do? Hmm. God's punishing you. How about trials and tribulations are par for the course in a fallen world? Amen? It just is. So I'm going to give you a moment to be like free and just like be a commoner. How many of you have or are experienced a trial or tribulation? Okay, look around. Wait, hands up. Look around and say, you too? Go ahead, go ahead. You too? 
Oh. We're in fellowship. We share these common realities. That should give yourself a break. Amen? Right? It's so weird. It's like, oh, you know, I'm, I, I get embarrassed to, to ask someone to pray for me. Why? Well, you know, deep down, and, and I know for me, you know, coming from a culture, a Filipino culture, which is very private, and, you know, so part of it is cultural, and part of it is, you know, you don't want to be embarrassed, you don't want to be afraid of what people are going to think about you, all that kind of stuff, right? But it's so strange in the church. I'm, I'm hesitant to ask Bill to pray for me for a need because I'm afraid of what he's going to think about me. Where's that coming from? The enemy. The enemy, the accuser. Oh, no, don't ask for prayer. They're going to think you're weak. They're going to think you're in sin. They're going to shake their head and go, I knew it. He always looked a little sketchy. Where's all these voices coming from? That's the enemy who wants to keep us isolated. Who wants to divide and conquer the church, even in asking for prayer. How many of you, okay, let, I'm just going to help us walk through this. How many of you are blessed to pray for somebody who asks for it? You count it a great privilege to be asked to pray for someone, right? And then how many of you, when you hear someone's story, what they're asking for, you're like humbled because things in your life don't even compare. And I thought my, I was in my pity party until I heard theirs. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I share these common realities so that we can just relax our neck a little bit when we're gathering. We can just be human. Amen? Look, no one here has it all figured out, including me. We do our best, right? But how many of you, right, sometimes you have a great week and then the next week you make the silliest decisions you've ever made. You're like, but I was doing so well. Anyone there? Well, I was doing so good. What happened, Lord? Well, you know, just working on you. Just working on you, right? Common R's, relationships, realities, responsibilities. 1 Corinthians 12. Our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Fellow believers in the church cannot say to one another, I don't need you. We have a common responsibility, mutual dependence. We need each other. That's just, that's just true. We need each other. Now again, in our culture, neediness equals weakness. And so, even in, the, even in our walk with the Lord, I don't need nobody. I don't need to go to that men's group. Men's group, right? I remember, remember we were in San Diego, and they were, we were at a big church, and they were kicking off their men's program. And my wife was after me. Every Sunday they would do an announcement. She's like, you should sign up. Right? Go on for weeks. That sounds really good, doesn't it? 
bang, on and on. And finally, it's like, you know, and we're starting and sign up afterwards. And she's like, honey, I think you would really benefit from that. And I just, I had it. And I just like turned to her, right, in one of my lesser moments, <laughs> right after church, with my wife's loving encouragement to sign up for a men's discipleship program. I turned to her and I'm like, I don't want to be someone's project. See, I was raised. I was going to UCLA. I was fine. I don't need a buddy. I don't need to be fixed by a bunch of dudes. I don't need to sit around and a bunch of dudes tell me what's wrong with me and try to fix me. I don't need someone's project. Where is that coming from? Pride. Pride. Right? I was just like, talk to the hand. Right? I don't want to. I'm sure the guys were great, and actually I did eventually get plugged in with the guys. Great guys. Like wonderful guys. That blew it just as much as me. I mean, we had some banker presidents in there. We had a Navy SEAL officer in there, man. And I'm like, these are some legit dudes. And here I am like, I don't want to be someone's project. Like, I'm all that, right? I don't want to be someone's project. And they got these bankery presidents and Navy SEAL in there, like, loving Jesus, wanting to help each other, you know? Now, this just popped in my head, just on the side. We went on this men's retreat, and each guy had to do a little presentation. We had this little meeting room, little cabin. And so we would have to leave. This is the, it was the Navy SEAL's turn. And he said, oh, you guys need to leave for a little bit. And so we're like, okay, whatever. So we come back in, and he had booby-trapped the room. Like, I kid you not, it was pretty cool. Like, he had these trip wires, and we would step, you know, do, 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 Anyway, I don't know, it just popped in my head. Navy SEAL, in fellowship, sharing the common realities of his marriage and home, and right? A guy that we would think is men. Oh, dude, you're like man's man, got it all together. You're not only just a SEAL, but you're training SEALs in Coronado. No, loved Jesus and was in fellowship in a small group. Got over his bad self, right? So we have mutual dependence. We need each other. And I know that need, right? Go ahead, turn to someone around and say, I need you. Go ahead, just like, need you. Yes, I, I, I need you, right? I know, I know, kind of weird. Hasn't come out from your mouth in a while, right? Right? We need each other. Whew, that's liberating. That's just liberating, right? Jesus says it very simply. He says, a new commandment I give to you, love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people know that you're my disciples. Just love one another. Amen? Just love one another. We don't have to overcomplicate it. Okay? So there's mutual dependence, but then there's also mutual contribution. Okay? And our responsibilities. Romans 12. For as in one body we, are, we have many members... And the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. Mutual contribution. God has gifted you. You're in the, you're in the body of Christ. He has given you gifts, talents, resources. We are called to contribute mutually. Right? Why? Ephesians 4. He makes the whole body fit together Perfectly, as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. 
right? I love this from the Bible knowledge. It says, Paul emphasized body growth, not self-growth. Each individual contributes to this unified growth as he allows his particular gift or gifts to function. Paradigm shift. When you exercise your gifts, it's for everyone's benefit. The whole body benefits. We all get healthier. We all grow as we each do our part, right? There, yeah, there's people up here, and it's like weird because in the church, they're like, oh, those people, they're so talented. They're so gifted. And then we say, I just, but I just, but I just. Now, how many of you here celebrate that there are people in this church with the gift of hospitality hidden behind the scenes, and somehow your donuts and coffee magically appear every Sunday. How many are blessed by the parts we don't see? Amen? We're blessed by the parts we don't see around here. It's all about the glitz and the glam up here, but some of you are more blessed by the coffee and donuts. You're waiting. You're you're like, I'm so excited. And it's all hidden right there. It's behind the scenes, right? We all can contribute. We all can contribute, okay? So common R's, relationships, realities, responsibilities, resources. We all have common resources. First, Second Peter, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. You have been given every resource you need to live a godly life, amen? Right? Let's look at some of them. The Holy Spirit. John 14. I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. You've been given the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians says you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Philippians 2 says God works in you in us, to will and then the power to do it through the Holy Spirit. Okay? The Word of God, 2 Timothy. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong, teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. So we've been given the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, prayer. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 6. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. You've been given the Holy Spirit, the Word of God. You've been given prayer. And you know what? You've been given the church. 1 Corinthians 12, now you collectively are Christ's body, and individually you are members of it, each with his own special purpose and function. Hebrews 10, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The church is a resource given to us for our good, okay? So we have... Relationships, realities, responsibilities, resources. Next arc, next common R. A common reason for living a godly life. Right? First Peter 2 9. 
You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. What's our common reason for living? Glorify God. That's why we live. Foundational. What's your purpose? To declare the praises of God. Matthew 5. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. What's our common R for reason for living? Glorify God. Be salt and light. The church shares the common reason and purpose for everything we do. Now, you might think it's just your work. It's just your, it's just your, no. If we all live God-glorifying lives, then the church glorifies God. Right? I think about Travis, you going through the academy and everything like that. It wasn't just Travis getting through the academy. It was Travis glorifying God and declaring God's praises through the academy. See, we focus on the circumstance or the thing before us. Our common reason for whatever we do is to declare the praises of God, to declare his glory, how you handle your time, how you handle your money. The choices we make can all glorify God. Right? You're like, what's my reason for living? What's my purpose? Glorify God. How would this change if tomorrow you wake up and part of your quiet time before you head out until you say, Lord, today I want to glorify you. Not, Lord, can you, can you, can you, can you, can you? Right? Lord, I really need you. I need you. I need you to do this. Uh, Tomorrow, you wake up and you say, Lord, today I want to declare your praises. I want to let my light so shine that men would glorify you today. How different would that change your perspective? At work? At home? That's our common R. We have a common reason for living. Okay? So we have relationships, realities, responsibilities, resources, common reason for living a godly life. And as we kind of wrap it up, you know, we have a common remembrance slash reconciliation, right? Jordan, I don't know if you have those second list. Oh, they're like little. It's blocked on my, (laughs) I have like this big clock back there. All right, put it up, Jay. Right? We have a common remembrance and reconciliation. Jesus says in Luke 22, and he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Second Corinthians 5.20 says this. We are ambassadors for Christ. God is making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. We have a common remembrance. That's what we do here every Sunday. And what is that common remembrance really rooted in? A common reconciliation. See, what that means is, and the Bible says, God demonstrates his love while we were yet sinners, while we were yet his enemies, Christ died for us. At one point, 
All of us who profess to be believers today were separated from God. We were sinners and his enemies. God opens our eyes to the truth of the gospel, opens our eyes to our need for a savior, and then we are reconciled. Amen? We have a common remembrance and a common reconciliation. That's what makes communion so special, is we come to the table and we say, Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for a very personal gospel that you opened my eyes to need. And then we go, look around and we say, man, but I'm not alone. Look at all the other people here who are remembering Jesus as Savior and Lord. And look at all the other people here who needed reconciliation. That should light your fire. That should make you feel pretty good. That you're part of something bigger than just you. You're part of the body of Christ. That's who we are. That's who we are, right? And so I want to encourage us today, right? As we prepare for communion, yes, there's a very personal component. Then we gather, and we're reminded that it's Jesus. What do we have in common, ultimately? Jesus. All those R's and everything come out of Jesus. It's Jesus. And that's the same message that the world needs today. As crazy as the world is, they need to be reconciled to God through faith in Jesus. And share fellowship. And celebrate fellowship and all the realities, and just enjoy fellowship and the journey together. Amen? We're just in journey together. But here's the great thing. We know where we're going. It's just a journey. This is just temporary. Names written in the book of life. We know heaven awaits. Until then, we fellowship and we journey together, sharing all the common R's. Because we're just simply commoners in Christ. Amen? Father, thank you. Thank you. Man, I love your word. And just this week, these verses just coming and, and how you organized it. And, and it's just so powerful and so freeing and liberating to know that we are simply commoners in Christ. Yes. We bowed our knee. To you, Jesus, confessed you as Savior and Lord. We're put into the church with other believers, other redeemed. And now we share so many common R's. So thank you. And Jesus, you say as often as we do this communion, to do it in remembrance. So we do that today, but we remember that through faith in Jesus, we are reconciled. We are reconciled. We are children of God, and you are pleased with us. And if you're here this morning and you're not sure if you're in fellowship or you know that you've not put your faith in Jesus, I pray that this morning you would. Like the rest of us, you would be reconciled to God through faith in Jesus. The Bible says we are saved by grace through faith, not by works, lest anyone should boast. It is a gift of salvation. The price was paid with the blood of Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection. 
has paid the price for your sins. And so if you're here and you would like to become a commoner in Christ with us, pray like this between you and God. Say, dear God, thank you. I understand this morning my need to be reconciled. And so in the best way I know how, I'm putting my faith in Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord. Thank you, Jesus. In the best way I know how, with, with what I know, I'm trusting you, Jesus, for my salvation, you alone. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you, Jesus. I'm trusting you right now, you alone, for salvation. And Father, as we as a church family celebrate communion in remembrance celebrate our reconciliation. I pray, Father, it would be personal but also communal, that we would be celebrating who we are in Christ, but also our eyes would be up and be blessed that we're part of something bigger called the church. So we're going to open up the communion table. You can come up um, during the song and then take communion back and just take take communion as you're ready as a family unit or individually, and then uh, I'll come up and close. Always want to welcome everybody who joins us here in the well on Sunday morning. All of you live streamers, people that may watch this later, uh, welcome. We love you being consumers of God's word here with our ministries. Um, Before we get too much farther, we have a tremendous children's ministry at this church. Right, right. This ministry is led by an army of volunteers, all vetted. All Dodger fans, better than that. I tell you, in morning, right? Well, we, the ups and downs of spiritual, uh, right? At any rate, your children are being taught the word of God at all levels by these volunteers of godly people. And we want to uh, always appreciate that. And in light of that, what time is it, folks? Kingdom, Kingdom kids. You're all... Turn them loose to those Dodger fans. Let them learn the word of God. Yes, our Dodgers this year will only get that ring that says 2023. We were better than the Giants. A little bit lesser deal there for sure. Uh, I want to uh, take an opportunity to express the importance of signing up for the men's gathering for here on Thursday night, October 26th, uh, 6 o'clock to 7.30. We're going to hear two men of God give their testimony from our body. We don't know what the Holy Spirit's going to do here on that Thursday night. We're going to worship. It's going to be a great time. But what I do want to know is who's coming so we know how much food to prepare. So we don't know what he's doing, but we'd love to know what you're doing. (laughs) Absolutely. I just, it's going to be such a special night as we kick off this, uh, this format. But our brothers Bill and Tim are ready to open their hearts and share how God has affected their life and their walk with the Lord through what others would see as a travesty and a tragedy. I want to pray about that. Father, we thank you so much for your presence because your presence 
in both Tim and Bill, and you're going to be present with so many men that will be here to hear your message from them about how this travesty that was allowed in their lives, how you're glorified to this day and beyond. Father, we just, we don't know what you're going to do, but we are excited to be here to witness what you're going to do. I want to thank everyone who's here in the well today to hear your word. Again, those that are streaming online and beyond. Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your truth. And we thank you for the effect that you have in every life that has an abiding relationship with you. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Thank you, Randy. A couple other announcements. Uh, the youth ministry. Uh, Jordan shared that uh, they're in the middle of a food drive. And, you know, one of the things that we like to do around here is not just be blessed when we gather in various ministries and Bible studies, um, but we also like, especially with the youth, to give them opportunities to serve the community. You know, it's not just about us. It's about being salt and light in the community. And sometimes that's just very practical, very practical ways meeting real needs. And so they are spearheading a food drive, and we invite all of you to participate. And it's not just you know, participation for the sake of blessing others. But when we participate, it also helps the youth be encouraged that the church as a whole is behind this and they're just kind of the tip of the spear and they get to go out and and bless others. So there's a list of items that you can contribute and really, again, uh, it's to bless the community, but also, quite honestly, it's to bless our youth and give them the joy of giving and to give them the joy of serving and making a difference in the community. Okay. Good morning. I'm here to talk about our women's worship evening, which is going to be this Saturday, uh, October 21st at 7 p.m. It should be about an hour, an hour and a half long, and it's going to be led by Gloria and Shiloh. You'll see them up here leading worship sometimes. And a couple women are going to share just a little part of their story and how God has been faithful in their life. It's going to be a really encouraging evening. And I would ask you to invite your friends, maybe someone who really needs to hear encouragement from the Word of God and from worship. It's going to be really a blessed evening. Every time I walk through these doors, I, even if I drive by the well, I just feel very blessed. And so this is going to be a very blessed evening, and I invite all women to come at 7 o'clock. It's going to be in the Commons, and I'll see you Saturday. Thank you. How many of you enjoyed the taco feast last Sunday? Yeah, it was really good. Um, Thank you to Dennis and Tyler who prepared the food and all the volunteers who helped set up and tear down. Um, It was very successful through God's provision and your generosity. Uh, We raised around $7,200 toward the $30,000 needed for the two homes in Mexico in two weeks, they leave. Um, so um, that was a huge success. We just want to thank you for that. We have reached $29,000. So we trust that the Lord's going to provide the last thousand. And we're very thankful for everything that he has provided thus far. Um, between the three churches, the Orchard and the First Baptist Church and this church, um, he's just provided a lot. So thank you for that. Please continue to be praying for the team that's going, for the families that will be receiving homes, 
And then we have these new little cards. They're out on the welcome table under the rock. Um, and the request is that you would choose a verse to share uh, with the families that are down there. And if you could look up a translation in Spanish on your phone or uh, be able to, to put it into Spanish so they can read it. And then you would sign your name at the bottom. Just a note of encouragement and uh, a verse of scripture to let them know that there's a whole body here that is loving them and supporting them. Um, once they collect them all, they're going to go in the, welco- in the, what's that called, that box? The card box? I don't know. <laughs> the giving box. <laughs> you can just stick them in there. Uh, they're going to collect them, and once they've collected all the notes, they're going to put them in like a photo album to present to the family. So please feel free to do that. They're out on the welcome cart, and um, any encouragement you can give would be greatly appreciated. So thank you. All right. We are also still taking donations, right? They, uh, there's a trunk in the commons, and if you would like to uh, bless the kids in Mexico... There's a list. Is there also a list, Betty, of uh, items right there? Um, so if you'd like to do that, uh, it's always a blessing. It's also special for the team when they make the bags here and then they distribute them. It's such a joy. And it's just a reminder how blessed we are in this country. And so if you would like to uh, donate materially, you can do that over the next couple of weeks and bring it to the trunk in the commons and it all head to Ensenada.